Hello, everybody. It's Steve Matthews. Welcome to Radio Looks Lucid, episode 39. The title of today's episode is The Vatican and Globalism. Uh, this is like take three of this uh, this live stream podcast, and, and I apologize for anybody who's been trying to watch this. I know it's been a little bit frustrating. I've got this cable, and uh, I've got to use a, a digital recorder to record the podcast, and I, I think it's a problem with the cable where the... Uh, the right channel keeps dropping out, and I've got another cable on order, but it hasn't come in yet, and I don't know, this thing's just driving me nuts. It's really frustrating to see a, a channel just constantly drop out, and I, I don't want to uh, to record and put that out on a podcast that way. So anyway, uh, welcome to the uh, to take three of this, uh, this uh, live stream slash podcast. Uh, I do appreciate uh, you watching and listening. Um, so... Thinking about today's topic, I, I was I was trying to uh, to come up with something for this week, and I I didn't have anything in particular in mind, but I ran across a couple of articles here the last few days that that kind of uh, really picked my uh, my curiosity, and and also on top of that, they they had a common theme, and that is uh, in this case the common theme is is the Vatican and and globalism and, and the Vatican's uh, interference in in politics. And I'm going to read the, the first column, the first piece column I wanted to talk about is is a piece by Ann Coulter, and it's it's titled "Voter Fraud Never Happens Except in These Ten Thousand Cases." And she goes in and she she walks through a number of cases of uh, fairly recent. I mean, with, within the last oh twenty years or so of uh of voter fraud i think maybe the oldest one was back in 2000 but th- this was voter fraud by by various democrats but what really caught my attention was something that she said toward the end i'm just going to read this is just a couple of paragraphs here uh, so i'm going to quote so quote it's as if everyone who writes for the times just graduated from college with honors in spotting racism republicans aren't complaining about the vote in Camden, new jersey or memphis tennessee they're talking about cities with democratic political machines which were founded by irish criminals long before black people showed up in large numbers democratic machines have been stealing elections since before the civil war end quote Okay, so what she's talking about here, and in previous to to that comment, uh, she had several quotes, some quotes from the New York Times and, and whatnot, that were saying that the reason that the only reason that Republicans were challenging to vote in Milwaukee and Detroit and Philadelphia is because those are heavily black cities, and the Republicans are racist. You know that that, that was the the focus of their um, uh, of their. Uh, questioning the uh, the integrity of the vote in those areas. And what Ann Coulter says here toward the end of this this piece is that, that she says, no, it, it really, you know, th- this doesn't have anything to do with race. It doesn't have anything to do with, with the kinds of things that the mainstream media wants you to think it is. What she does is she actually goes back and says that, and, and I'm going to read this again, um, that they're talking about cities and talking about these three particular cities, Milwaukee, Detroit, and Philadelphia, with democratic political machines, which were founded by Irish criminals long before black people showed up in large numbers. Democratic machines have been stealing elections since before the Civil War. Now, one of the things, you know, and and this is a, a quote that I have used, well, maybe before we get into that, I think this is really interesting what, what Ann Coulter says here, because she gets really, really close to saying something that I have said a number of times myself uh, fairly recently, and that is, we, I've talked about, there was this quote by, uh, it was a Presbyterian minister, 
uh, by the name of Samuel D. Burchard. It was from 1884. It was in the 1884 presidential election. He gave this speech where he got up and he called the, the Democrats the party whose antecedents are rum, Romanism, and rebellion. And, and Ann Coulter gets really, really close basically to saying that in this column. Now, she talks about these, uh, these cities with democratic political machines, which she says were founded by Irish criminals. You know, talks about the Democratic machines have been stealing elections since before the Civil War. Now, Ann Coulter can't come out. I mean, she's a she's a Bigfoot columnist. I mean, she's, um, yeah, she's not someone who's she's not afraid to speak her mind. But I think there are probably some things that uh, you know, maybe as a major syndicated columnist, as a, a New York Times bestselling author, this kind of thing. Maybe there's some things she feels she can't say. But I, I think what she's really if you kind of read between the lines here, essentially, she's saying that the Democrats are the party of Rome, Romanism, and rebellion. And all these corrupt polit political machines are actually Roman Catholic political machines. I believe that is what she's saying. I, I think that she does understand that. And and I I think really that is at the heart of this uh, this big election steal. I think it's something that's being done by the Democrats, and it's being done principally by... The, uh, the old school political machines in certain cities. And these political machines are essentially Roman Catholic political machines. And it, it shouldn't surprise us that, that democratic politics are so corrupt. Uh, I mean, the Roman Catholic Church, I believe, and I think you can make the argument for this, is the most corrupt institution on the world, in the world. Uh, I mean, when you look at, at what the New Testament says about the Roman Catholic Church to cause Roman chart, the Roman Catholic Church, Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots. And when, when you, you've got a title like that, um, you know, it, it talks about the, you know, the, the, this, this, uh, this Mystery Babylon was drunk with the blood of the saints. You know, and the Apostle John marveled at her. He was uh, appalled and astonished when he saw this vision. And, and he was, was being given a vision of, of the Roman Catholic Church. And you know, when we're talking about a, a, an organization that, that is that, that corrupt in its theology, uh, you know, it, it's also going to be corrupt in other ways. Now, you know, the Roman Catholic Church is very, very deeply involved in politics. And in the United States of America, the political home of the Roman Catholic Church is and has been since before the Civil War. You know, so we're going back into the well into the, uh, the, the middle 1800s, if not earlier than that. Um, you're, you're talking about the, uh, the Democrats you know, as, as the home of, of, the, uh, of the, the political home of the Roman Catholic Church. And if the Roman Catholic Church is corrupt, you would also expect the political party through which it wields uh, influence to also be seriously, majorly corrupt. And of course, that's exactly what you see in, in Democrats, uh, in these Democratic uh, political machines, uh, many of which were, uh, came into to being in the, the 19th century. There's a, a quote here from John Robbins in his book, Ecclesiastical Megalomania, where he talks some about this. And let me just read, read a little bit of that here for you. He says, much of the interference by federal, state, and local governments in the affairs of citizens, both Joe Klein and the papacy have told us, is due to Roman Catholic influence in American politics. Corrupt political machines were constructed and operated by Roman Catholics, following the church-state support for a policy of effective interference. Tammany Hall, the Daly Machine, the Curley Machine, and so on. Klein could have mentioned much more. 
So he, you know, John Robbins correctly identifies the source, the origin of these these corrupt uh, corrupt political machines as as uh, as being tools of uh, of the Roman Catholic Church in the United States. And I think that that that's essentially what Ann Coulter is saying here: that these old school political machines in these these big cities that. Uh, you know, Milwaukee and in Detroit, Philadelphia, um, in particular, and she also even mentions Atlanta. That these political machines were constructed by Democrats, by Roman Catholic Democrats, um, are really re- substantially responsible for stealing the election. Now, and, and I, I think when the history of this this whole twenty twenty election is written, I very strongly suspect that you're going to to see that. Uh, so that was one thing that uh, they, they caught my attention. Now, now, of course, you know, by, you know, I mentioned the title of this, this particular podcast is The Vatican and Globalism. Well, what is, is Joe Biden? Joe Biden is a committed globalist. I mean, Joe Biden's political um, program, his platform, is essentially the same as, as that of Pope Francis. So I, I, I believe that what basically what happened here, and of course Joe Biden is himself a Roman Catholic, uh, the Vatican got their, their man elected. And, and I suspect that that's what, again, what you see going on here uh, with this 2020 election. Now, there was another piece that I found, and this isn't about the U.S. presidential election, but it, it does deal with the Vatican. And in this particular case, it was uh, an article in in uh, Big League Politics. And let me read the uh, the headline here for you. Of course, Vatican Inclusive Capitalism Project is run by Ford Foundation, Rockefeller Foundation, United Nations, and Rothschild. Vatican is helping to rebrand corporate globalism. And this was by a uh, writer by the name of Shane Trejo. And it was published on December the 9th, so uh, just uh, just a couple of days ago here. I guess three days ago. This is the 12th now. Let me read a little bit to you about this. Pope Francis has been speaking power to truth throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, denigrating lockdown protesters who have had their livelihoods destroyed while stressing the importance of total submission to globalist mandates. Therefore, it should come as no surprise that the Vatican's new Council for Inclusive Capitalism includes representatives from the most powerful government and corporate interests in the world. Newsmax correspondent Brie A. Dale noted that the guardians of this Vatican project include reps from the United Nations, the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, and other entities that have been in power for generations and are responsible for the reviled economic status quo worldwide. And so there's a fair number of things to unpack here. I think it's interesting, of course, that um, they correctly identify Pope Francis as uh, as denigrating lockdown protesters and those who have had their livelihoods destroyed while watching, stressing the importance of total submission to globalist mandates. I mean, uh, the uh, Pope Francis, his basic message is obey. You know, you don't like the mask mandates, sit down, shut up and obey. Put your mask on, lock down. You know, if your job is destroyed, if if uh you know if if your business is destroyed that you spent years of your life working on if you know all, if you know if, if you you struggle personally with isolation well just just obey just obey you know that that's what he says you know despite you know the fact that uh that these lockdowns have not helped um they have been destructive of uh of people's rights they have been they have prevented them from earning a livelihood 
they have made them dependent, depressed. Uh, there's been just just so many problems with the lockdowns. I, I get, get so very frustrated with this. And, of course, it's not surprising, though, that, that Pope Francis would push this because Pope Francis, uh, none of the popes, you know, the Roman Catholic Church has never favored freedom. They favored uh, sort of a top-down tyranny. And, and you see this in the, uh, the fact that, uh, that the Pope is promoting you know, the, the, uh, the COVID lockdowns. I would expect that he would do that. It's not surprising at all that, that he would make the statements that he has um, in favor of the lockdowns and, and uh, in denigrating uh, those people who have protested the lockdowns. In fact, there's another headline in Big League Politics that says, Pope Francis derides anti-lockdown protests, claims they lack healthy indignation uh, of, of anti-fond BLM looters. Now, that's the headline. Um, and just read a little bit of that here. It says, Francis has complained that individuals who are having their livelihoods destroyed by the lockdowns lack the healthy integrity of leftist rioters who burned down whole cities in the a- aftermath of the drug-related death of, uh, of serial felon George Floyd. And here's a quote from Francis. Some groups protested, refusing to keep their distance, marching against travel restrictions, as if measures the governments must impose for the good of the people constitute some kind of political assault on autonomy or personal freedom, Francis wrote in a new book. Oh, yes, the, uh, the Pope, he has, a, he has a new book out as well. So, so yeah, he, you know, uh, Francis is, is very much upset um, that... Uh, uh, that the people might actually th- here are upset about having their personal freedoms uh, denigrated, and, and he thinks that that they should just uh, basically sit down, shut up, and take it. And again, that's not surprising. We would expect that kind of thing from Pope Francis, or from any pope for that matter. Um, so yeah, the uh, the Vatican, you know, kind of back to the the original headline from Big League Politics, where uh, you know the Vatican is is coming up with his inclusive capitalism project. It's uh, what they've done here. And let, let's read a little bit more of this article. Um, this group, and it, it's it's called the uh, the Inclusive Capitalism Project with the Vatican. This group says uh, an economic system that is fair and trustworthy and capable of addressing the most profound challenges facing humanity and our planet is urgently needed. You have taken up the challenge by seeing ways to make capitalism become a more inclusive instrument for integral human well-being, Pope Francis said. Capitalism has created enormous global prosperity, but has also left too many people behind, led to the degradation of our planet, and is not widely trusted in society, said Lynn Forrester de Rothschild, founder of the Council for Managing Partner of Inclusive Capital Partners. Now, this is, this is, is, just, is just too rich. Um, and, and this is something that I've complained about quite a bit, and I think a real downfall of a lot of, you know, sometimes what's called the alternate media or the independent media, and by which I mean, for example, uh, podcasters, bloggers, YouTubers, uh, you know, the kind of people that do this sort of work, um, sort of work that I'm doing. I, I think what happens is, you know, there's a lot of really good research that's done out there. On, on some of these groups, you know, for instance, you know, the UN or the World Economic Forum or the Rothschilds or, you know, George Soros or, you know, secret societies, I'm thinking here, like the Skull and Bone Society, uh, Bohemian Grove, things of this sort. Um, and, and there's a lot of really creepy, weird stuff that goes on out there. But there seems to be a blind spot among just about everybody, I, I think, who's uh, – 
who who does research in this area of of globalism or or various kinds of uh, sort of uh, nefarious doings by by secret groups, uh, they almost never talk about the Vatican's role uh, in promoting world government. But I mean, the Vatican has been the Vatican is is. I don't know, hundreds, maybe, maybe over a thousand years been promoting global government. Of course, you know, there was, they, they did global government on the European scale, uh, back in the day. And, and they certainly appear to be attempting to scale that up to, uh, to a truly global system. And, and here they come up with, uh, another organization this time it's called the inclusive capitalism project. And who are they partnering with? Some of the biggest globalists out there, such as the Rothschilds. And, of course, the United Nations. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, right here, you know, the Vatican is right in the mix of it. Yet most people, again, who, who research uh, the globalists, you know, they talk about all these other organizations. You know, talk about the World Economic Forum. Uh, they talk about the Bilderbergers, these sorts of things. But they will very, very rarely explicitly mention the Vatican. And there is no more dedicated uh, globalist organization on the planet than the Vatican. There is, in fact, I would say this, the Roman Catholic Church is the premier globalist organization on the planet. I don't think there's any question about that. I think you can make that argument from Scripture, and I think if you look on just the pages of the, the newspapers and, and uh, do a little research for yourself, I think you'll quickly find that that is the case. It is the premier globalist organization, the Roman Catholic Church is. Uh, but yet it's, it's very rarely, if ever, identified as such. And at the very end of this article, the uh, Big League Politics article, it says, this is says, Pope Francis, who has allegedly protected known pedophiles as pontiff, is playing a key role in the destruction of the West. Yes, he is. That's absolutely true. Pope Francis is most certainly paying, playing a key role in the destruction of the West. Now, I'm, I'm going to use... The, what do we mean by the West? And I, I think that that's, that's something that needs to be defined and I, I think the writer here for Big League Politics may be more right than he realizes when when he he uh, when he writes that uh, that particular sentence. Now, when I say the West, I'm using the definition that John Robbins used in in his uh, book, The Christ and Civilization. And in Western civilization, that is the civilization was created by the Protestant Reformation. Yeah, you know, that you know the Protestant Reformation. You know, we we think of that as, as kicking off in in fifteen seventeen, and of course we just celebrated the five hundredth anniversary of Martin Luther's act of nailing the you know his ninety five theses to the the door of the Wittenberg Church, and that's usually um, what people point to and say that was the beginning of the Reformation. Now there certainly were people who taught uh, the the doctrines of grace before Martin Luther. I think I say Jan Hus, uh, for example. Uh, sometimes the uh, uh, John Wycliffe is referred to as the morning star of the Reformation. I mean, these are men that, that predated Martin Luther. When we talk about the, the Reformation, we usually date it from, from 1517. So, just a, so uh, just a little bit over 500 years ago, we, uh, we celebrated uh, Martin Luther's uh, very brave act of, uh, uh, of, of uh, not only just nailing the uh, 95 Thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Church, but also uh, going on to teach the doctrines of grace. And in particular, if we want to want to try put that into a nutshell we would say the doctrine that says that salvation is by grace alone through faith or belief alone in the finished work of Jesus Christ alone you know that's those are the doctrines of grace 
And uh, going back to the sentence here in the uh, in the Big League Politics article, I'll just read that again. Pope Francis, who has allegedly protected known pedophiles as pontiff, is playing a key role in the destruction of the West. Well, the destru- Western civilization is is Protestant civilization. You know, Western civilization is the civilization that came about as a result of the widespread preaching of and belief in the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, the good news of what Christ has done to save sinners. You know, the gospel of justification by belief alone. You know, that is that, that we have a right standing before God, not based on our works, not based on anything in us, because, you know, I, we're sinners, right? I mean, I, I'm a miserable sinner. And it's, it's by God's grace alone that I have any standing before him. It's, it's by God's grace alone that I'm saved. You know, yeah, I'm not saved by, by my own works, by anything that I do. It's not by anything that, that, uh, uh, that my hands have wrought. You know, it's, you know, all, all the glory, all the credit goes, goes to God. And it, go, it doesn't go to me. You know, you think about what the Apostle Paul said, you know, God forbid that I should boast, uh, you know, except in the cross of Christ my Lord. You know, and, and that is, is really a, a very good summary of, of what the, the Protestant Reformation is all about. It's not about glorifying ourselves. It's, it's about glorifying Christ. And, and, and the work that he did to save his people. And that created that, that, that gospel um, of, of what Christ did to save his people, the good news of what Christ did to save sinners. The nations to which that came, it, it produced a radically new civilization. And that is the civilization, if, if you live in the West, I mean, if, if you live in the West, if you live in the United States or, or Western Europe or one of the other countries, you know, Australia or, or someplace where the, uh, the civilization of, of the Reformation came, you live in the West. You, you live uh, as in, in countries that participate in the heritage of the Protestant Reformation. And is, is Pope Francis destroying that? Yes, absolutely he is. Um, one of the, the offshoots, one of the, the implications of the Protestant Reformation is, is it put an end to, to globalist empires. You know, when you think about, um, you know, say you look back in, 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 in history, you, you can even just see this in the Bible. I mean, you see um, these massive, uh, you know, world-beating empires, you know, whether it was Egypt or Assyria or, or uh, Babylon or in the New Testament, uh, the Roman Empire, you had these, these giant conglomerations of all these nations that were uh, subjugated to, to a central power. And then in, in, the Middle Eve, in the medieval period, you had that same thing going on, where you had the nations of Western Europe subjected to the Roman Catholic Church. But when the Protestant Reformation came along, um, it gave people the... It created, a, it created a whole new civilization. One of the things that came out of that was the idea of what's called the Westphalian World Order. The Westphalian World Order says that the individual nation-state is the highest level of government and that one nation-state doesn't have any business of interfering in the internal affairs of another nation-state. In other words, it's sort of a live and let live approach. And a lot of people, if you were to say that, they'd say, well, that's just common sense. But that, that idea of the Westphalian World Order that 
we would sometimes call it sometimes called national sovereignty. I don't necessarily like the term of talking about national sovereignty simply because in in scripture, of course, as Christians, we believe that God alone is sovereign. Uh, but that's sort of the historic way of, of talking about that. Uh, when, when they use the term national sovereignty, what we're really talking about is just national independence. You know, the ability of uh, individual nation states to determine their own to their own internal policies. Um, which is the the opposite of what's been done in most of history, where instead of having individual nation states that that uh, had governments that were responsive to the, the the wishes of the people, you had this sort of top down conglomerations, these giant empires that, that ruled from a central authority, um, and, and that's that that's Romanism. You know, the New World Order. All of this uh, this globalism that you read about, that's really just Romanism. It's geopolitical Romanism. Whereas when we're talking about individual nation states or nationalism or you know, uh, Westphalian world order, that's geopolitical Protestantism. And you're seeing this struggle playing out right now between the globalists on the one hand and uh, the other people uh, on the other hand who, who advocate for... Um, national sovereignty or the Westphalian world order. That's, I, I think that's the context when you need to, to look at the, the struggle between the globalist and the nationalist today is really between geopolitical Protestantism on one hand and geopolitical Romanism on the other hand. And yes, Pope Francis is doing his best to destroy the West because the West is an enemy of his. Um, the West stands in the way of the Roman Catholic Church achieving its goal of, uh, of global government. And that's what Rome wants to do. Now, I thought it was interesting uh, in that, that article on, uh, in Big League Politics, they actually provided a link to this new organization um, from the Vatican. It's called the Council for Inclusive Capitalism with the Vatican. Well, I think it's kind of interesting that they've chosen to use the term capitalism. Now, they don't use capitalism by itself. They call it inclusive capitalism, but they, they call it capitalism. They, they, they try to smuggle that term in. Well, I mean, that very title is a lie because uh, the Roman Catholic Church doesn't believe in capitalism. They've made that very, very clear. Um, I've been doing a, a video series for the Trinity Foundation called uh, on, on John Robbins' book, uh, Ecclesiastical Megalomania. And as you go through that book, you find very quickly that the Roman Catholic Church has always been hostile. To capitalism. So I think it's interesting that they've come up with this sort of hybrid term, inclusive capitalism. Now, uh, I've been kind of just looking through the website a bit here tonight, and it's kind of hard to get a beat on it. This is actually, a, a the, the website's brand new. I think it just launched within the past week, so there's not a lot of specific uh, information on here. But I mean, I think you can gather just by by the title itself, Inclusive Capitalism, you know, they're really, what they're really, they're pushing is not capitalism. They're pushing some sort of, uh, of collectivism, you know, some sort of globalism. And just reading here from the homepage, it says, The Council for Inclusive Capitalism is a movement of the world's business and public sector leaders who are working to build a more inclusive, sustainable, and trusted economic system that addresses the needs of our people and the planet. Well, you know, here's the thing. You know, it's the, the people that, that are partnering with the Vatican and the Vatican itself, they're the very people who have destroyed the world economic system. So they destroy it, and now they're going to try to come by, uh, come around and tell you that they're going to save it. Well, I mean, that, that's a lot of nonsense, and I think people should be very skeptical about the, uh, 
um, this particular initiative. There was a, a fairly recent uh, encyclical. It was written by the Pope. It was uh, published a couple of. Uh, uh, a couple of months ago, and I still haven't gotten around to reading it, but I know just from some of the, the comments that I've seen on it that, uh, of course, it, it's also uh, uh, not surprising. Uh, it's a sustained attack on, on capitalism. Uh, so, but I mean, here, here's the Roman Catholic Church that has done so much to attack capitalism. Now they're turning around, they're trying to posit themselves as inclusive capitalists. You know, they're trying to borrow the term, but they're, but they're emptying it of its meaning. Well, Anyway, that's really about all that I had for the day. I wanted to say thanks very much for listening. I appreciate that. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and get this posted out on my blog. That's uh, Looks Lucid. Uh, if you get a chance, you want to go out and uh, listen to that again, I'll, I'll have the audio out there, I hope, here in about the next hour or so, uh, and you can uh, listen to it there. Um, if you do like this uh, podcast and it's something that you think that uh, that uh, is uh, is helpful to you, uh, please consider making a donation. I have a, a donations button out there on the uh, Radio Looks Lucid website, um, and uh, you can, uh, can donate there. Uh, also, I'm going to post this out on the uh, website. It's uh, it's called Thorn Crown Ministries. Uh, it's founded by my my friends uh, Tim Shaughnessy and Carlos Montillo. So uh, you can listen to the uh, the podcast there as well. You can also listen to it on uh, on uh, uh, Apple Podcast. I always want to call it iTunes. It's it's Apple Podcast now. So you can can find and you can actually subscribe to my podcast feed out there. I'm trying to do this once a week. So so hopefully there'll be a, this will be a there'll be a new podcast in another week. But uh, this is my podcast for this week. So again, just thanks so much for listening. I really do appreciate your support. I hope that uh, that you found this helpful. And until next time, may the Spirit of Truth guide you in all truth as you read and study God's Word.